Chris Martin, and you're listening to episode five of the Social Cues podcast. I'm your host this week, along with Jonathan Howe and just Jonathan Howe. We couldn't make a time work with Elizabeth or Julie this week, uh, so y'all are just stuck here with the two of us. Uh, welcome back, Jonathan. Good to talk. Yeah, it, it will be a... Um a much diminished podcast this it's week. It's true. Both of the both of Elizabeth and Julie have been so great. I wish we could, f- if it weren't impossible to schedule to get four people's schedules aligned in a given week, I wish all four of us could be on <laughs> in a given week. Maybe sometime we'll have to try that. But it's hard enough to get three of us on together in a week, let alone all four of us. Yeah. Um, so uh, last week we had to take off because we had some, we, we sat down, it's funny, like we all sat down to record one day last week, uh, Jonathan, Elizabeth, and I sat down to record and we were just like a couple of us were having technical issues. So sorry we missed last week, but we're back and um, we have an interesting topic, I think, for this week. We had one that's yeah. really good that Elizabeth wants us to say. Yeah, we'll save that. Yeah, we're going to save it for when Elizabeth is on next because it was her idea and she wants to talk about it. Um, but the one that we want to talk about this week is kind of timely, um, but I think it has broad implications as well. So. So the the what's on your well, mind? Unfortunately, it's it's becoming more and more timely all the right. time. That's exactly right. So the, it's it's our what's on your mind opening question. It'll be the only thing we discuss today because this this podcast is probably going to be a little bit shorter. Um, the question is this: What do we think about social media backlash or social media discussion in the wake of massive cultural events? So today we're recording on Tuesday, August sixth, and just this past weekend there were two. Um, Uh, mass shootings in the United States, one in El Paso, Texas, and one in Dayton, Ohio. uh, Not Toledo. Not not Toledo. uh, And two very different situations, a little bit different circumstances or whatever, uh, but a a lot of people passed away. I think, was it 30? 29? Close to it or more, I think. Uh, I know there was 20 at the one in El Paso on the day of, and I think since then, two more okay. have passed away. So I think, last I think I saw that was up to 22, and I know there was nine, nine plus the right. shooter in in Dayton. Right. So 31 victims and a shooter. Right, right, right. So um, just massive loss of life, which is obviously tragic and, and devastating in so many ways. Obviously for the victims themselves, for the people who passed away or were injured, for the families of everyone involved, yeah. for the people who had to be there and witness, like, the first responders yeah. who had to... Just people going about their daily routine. I mean, yeah. at Walmart, shopping at Walmart, right. or, you know, raising money outside the Walmart for the local soccer team or something right. like that. And, you know, people just hanging out with friends, having a good time, and, and this happening. Right. And it's just just crazy. Yeah, it's terrible. But so fo- following those those events, obviously a number of conversations come uh, come about. So you have you have people who are in in the Christian space and Christian communities expressing tragedy, asking like Lord come quickly, um, let's pray for the families, for everyone involved, thoughts and prayers which have been much derided by non-Christians on social media but are still um, valid and invoked by Christians anytime whether it be a mass shooting yeah. or just a another tragedy natural disaster or whatever um and and so that's often a christian response and then you often have another response which spans all kinds of ideologies which is a sort of call for reform often mostly calls for uh reform regarding guns so there's calls for reform yeah, well in these instances especially yeah exactly calls for reform on who can access guns who should have them mental health evaluation it's just all kinds of discussions happen and so the question we want to just kind of toss around today and talk about is from a Christian perspective, because that's the perspective we sit from, um, what, what's what is a 
proper or what's a prudent kind of smart response to a situation like this, whether it be a tragedy, it it could be a tragedy, whether it be natural disaster or something like this, that's a, a heinous crime, or it could be something just like a massive cultural moment, you know, um, there have been so many, it's hard to, it's hard to even think of one off the top of my head, but whether, whatever they be just massive cultural moments, how are we supposed to respond? I suppose there are three lanes, uh, Christian organizations, whether they be companies or nonprofits, uh, Christian churches, how should churches consider responding on social media and Christian individuals. So just like personally, how, what are some things we may consider as we respond to these things? So let's start with kind of Christian organizations or companies, um, Jonathan, do you have any initial thoughts to get us started? Well, you know, as we talked about, it, you mentioned it in in kind of the intro there. The there's I, I pers- from a personal standpoint, from a Christian perspective at least, I see no problem in calling for prayer for victims, for the city, for the area, whatever. It may sure, be. I, mean, I know we've talked about that, and we see it online. You know, enough thoughts and prayers do something or whatever. Um, well, I mean. I, our response in times of crisis, and, and it's, as it well should be in times of, of plenty, should be prayer, uh, you know, and, and, and interceding on behalf of those that are, that are suffering, especially. So I, I have no problem with Christian businesses, organizations, whatever it may be, or even non-Christian businesses, organizations saying, you know, pray for El Paso, pray for Dayton, whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I think I think it's completely appropriate for Christian organizations to you know, post on various social media platforms. Like, hey, we're praying for such and so. Um, we we didn't at Lifeway. You know, I I managed a Lifeway social media. We didn't run anything. I don't think it wasn't. It was just sort of a didn't really think to to run anything. Um, yeah, it's well, it was a Saturday as well. Yeah. so you're kind of you're not you're not focused right. and dialed in. Right, and and again, and this is this is kind of the part two is. If it if it isn't in your really you know your area, your geographical area, your you know if this had happened at a Lifeway store, it would have been a lot different than it happened at a Walmart. Correct, correct. Uh, you know those kind of things. So if it's not really in your lane, how far outside of your outside of your lane do you really? interact exactly like it, and I, that that's one of the big questions i right have. it's like do, just because an organization let's say is a national organization do they have and but they're not at all affected by what happened you know as an organization do they have a responsibility to tweet out thoughts and prayers i i always hesitate to say that you know i don't like thinking like oh if you don't say something you must not care like i don't i don't think that's how it works or that you have to say something about everything that happened. exactly yeah i don't think that's the case at all so could you make a case that lifeway or another similar organ christian organization a missions organization or some other thing uh salvation right right right, right or an adoption agency could they have yeah. Uh, yeah, you could say like anybody could tweet out thoughts and prayers just as a means of encouragement. I think there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I also I, when when I see things like that, I like to have a little bit more of a reason than just something bad happened because. And this is kind of what you just hinted at. It becomes a little bit problematic when you consider what you do and don't tweet or post about then, right? So, like, atrocities happen across the world all the time. So, if a shooting happens in El Paso, Texas, but then some genocidal action is taking place in a country in in Asia or or another place where where they happen more frequently... If we don't tweet or, or something, our condolences about those things, do we are we exempt because they're just not in our country, or are we supposed to care? Are we not supposed to care? So there's where you draw the line can be kind of difficult. 
yeah, it's you know, it's it goes back to what color are we going to light the bridge tonight? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot of you probably don't understand, but you if you've ever seen like New York City lights the Empire State Building various colors and in Nashville there was this rash a couple of years ago of just like almost every day. The previous or, mayor, man, she she used that bridge, man. The, the bridge was always lit for some kind of cause. Let's just put it that way. Um yes. so yeah, it becomes what do you light the bridge for and what do you not light the bridge for? What do you tweet about or post an Instagram share square about and what do you not? So I think for a kind of a national Christian organization, if if some sort of massive cultural event, whether it be tragedy or something positive happens and it's not really related to you, it may be best to stay out just because that you then have to wrestle with where do we draw the line. So the second, so that's Christian organizations. A second angle is churches and pastors or church staff generally. How, what are your thoughts on, you know, if something like what happens this past weekend happened, uh, does it, does a church, so let's say, you know, we had events, we had shootings in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. Does a church in Sacramento, California need to post about that or or do they not? How do, how do we figure that out? Well, I think part of it goes back to what I said originally about the organizations. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with posting a verse on prayer or, you know, God is near the brokenhearted, something like that. You know, just a general statement. Again, it goes, it, it's that same lens that we had before. You know, what do you post about? What do you not post about? If it's stream of conscience in the American mind and you're an American church, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but then again, it, a lot of churches may have missions... Uh, you know, I, I know a pastor uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and I, when I woke up Sunday morning, he was the first person I texted. And hey, you know, you okay? What's going on? Let me know if if you need any kind of help from my end. I don't know what that may look like, but just whatever. You know, if you need anything, just let me know. And um, and you know, he's he's walking through that. The people in his church, the the students, they knew the shooter. Uh, so it, there's a little bit more connection personally for me about that one, but. You know, my church, we don't have any connection to either one of those cities, so I, I don't think we posted anything at all. But had this happened maybe in Salt Lake, where we have a, a church planner, or in uh, Boston, where we have a church planner, New York City, we have a church planner, uh, we have someone, you know, if this had happened in Guinea, down in South America, I think it's Guinea, um, the, the country down there. But anyway, um, had it happened down there, we, we probably would have said something or you know a reference to it at our church because we have we we have people regularly in our church from those areas so you know, it's a little bit different my son just went on a mission trip to salt lake city had this happened in salt lake city our church would have probably felt this a little bit more so i, I think as far as a church goes especially if you're connected with those areas mission wise then then definitely or even in the same state i mean it, if this had happened in jackson tennessee it would have felt a lot different to us here in nashville and murfreesboro than it would have, you know, when it happens in El Paso. Uh, one of the it, it kind of impacted my Sunday school class because I knew one of the guys in my Sunday school class. I texted him um, Saturday night and was like, "Hey, are you okay? How's your family? Everybody okay?" Because he's from El Paso, and I knew that. So, you know, I, I reached out to him immediately, and and he there were some loose connections to the area and things like that. But otherwise, you know, what there wasn't that many connections on that side. But I, I think it it does. We do need to think more about the people in the church and their connections, and if we have anybody from those areas. But you know, it, unless there's a direct ministry component that you're already doing in the city or something where this happens, I don't really see the need to do anything other than maybe you know the the generic rubric we had for the previous 
category. Right. Yeah, I agree on all counts. I think the I, I saw a post from a pastor that we both respect uh, this past weekend, or maybe it was even yesterday, and I and it was a, a clip of talking about the the shootings and how terrible they were and and all of that, and it was very like on point, accurate, totally appropriate, like totally cool. And, and I, I just, I, as a matter of discussion and curiosity, and I don't know if that's what sparked you when you talk about this or not, but I sent the link and I was like, is this like, what do we think about this? Like other than like the content was great, but do we think, yeah. do we think it's necessary for a pastor of a church to post a clip or a church to post a clip of their pastor on social media, addressing a, a major cultural event, like a tragedy that we saw this past weekend yeah. or, or like who's being helped by that is because from a sort of like, if you wanted to not give benefit of the doubt and look at it from a cynical perspective, which in my sin I'm prone to do, but I don't think, I don't think this of this person, but if you were to step back from it and say, are they just posting it? Cause they want people to see like how much they oh, yeah. care. Is it, grandstanding? Yeah, is it grandstanding? Is it just like to get attention? Yeah. Um, Cause like why? So I followed up with him about this. Oh, okay. I rang him up All right. and said, hey, you know, walk me through this because we have a pretty good relationship and I can ask him those questions and his people. And so I asked, and because the racial motivations of the shooter in El Paso, yeah. they, they have a very large Hispanic group, the church, I think they even have a campus uh, possibly or a service for Hispanic. And there was a great deal of concern, fear, and just all around uneasiness from their Hispanic congregation. Yeah. So he felt it important to address that because of the, the racial component yeah, around that. I think that's so great. I think had, that makes this, total sense. Had this been a, a, um, a shooting aimed at, I don't know, just making up something. Or just um, even randomly. Just randomly. Or, or aimed at, you know, Korean Americans. And you have a Korean fellowship. Right. I, obviously, there's a deeper yeah, connection. Obviously. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, if there's a direct connection to either the place or the people that were somewhat targeted in these type of instances, then I, I do think it's important. I, I Actually, I would say that it is imperative almost that you address it yeah. as a church. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's helpful to have that. I'm glad you, I'm glad that you asked. Because for me, I was just like, I'm genuinely curious what the motivation is behind this. Like, I don't, and I don't know these people well enough to like ask. So I'm glad because you do that you asked. Because like that, yeah. knowing that, I mean, that gosh, that makes that. complete We're sense. Tight. Right. I mean, that makes, <laughs> that makes complete sense. Um, and I think that's yeah. a perfect, and that's what I it's a perfect oh, that's, example. So that's good. That's, that explains it. Right. And, and sorry, that's kind of the problem. Well, I'll say the problem. That's one of the drawbacks of social media. Right. Especially from a church side of things, and even you know some leaders or people, personalities on social media that have both a really local pastoral connection as well as a public, you know, wide platform. Right. That it's hard for them to post something that's for one audience and not the other. Yep. You know, without people kind of reading into it. Yeah, I've I've seen like so that. I've just seen so many churches, whether because they don't know how to run Facebook ads or they're trying to get their pastor become like globally famous. I've seen so many churches like use social media to try to reach people around the world rather than like people in their community. And I have a little bit of like a philosophical problem with that because I drives up Facebook. Like that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I don't think churches should be trying to like get their pastor famous through Facebook ads basically. And so like, and not that I think that that's what was being done here, but I just have a sort of like, oh, not at all. I have a sort of like hesitation or reticence toward like churches 
you know, like what they post. I think there's there's a line, and I think that's a really appropriate example of how it's done well. So that's a really good that's a good example. the The final sort of lane uh, is the personal lane, and this is where there's, def- in my opinion, a lot more gray. How you run your own social media is your call. Uh, there's not necessarily best practice for that. Obviously, not being a jerk tends to be a best practice, but um, when it comes to that's always a good call, yeah. not on social media alone. Exactly. Um, but maybe we can just share our own perspectives, like how we handle these things. Um, like when a cultural moment happens, it's, I think it's most appropriate to talk about like a negative cultural moment, right? So positive cultural moments, okay. nobody's really going to get bent out of shape about you tweeting about a positive thing that happened, as if there's many of those nowadays. But the the negative ones are where things can get kind of hairy, because it's like, where do we, what's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say, How how can we make a principled stance on something that we feel convicted about, but maybe don't want to do it in an offensive way. So I think a discussion about that might be helpful. So how, how do you approach like sensitive cultural moments? Like we just had this past weekend that are difficult from a personal perspective. I've really never thought about it. Honestly, I've never come up with a rubric or whatever you want to call it um, for myself and my personal social media. I'm a little bit more loose on that from time to time. Maybe that's not a good thing at all, always. But um, I, I really just, you know, is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Does it build up the kingdom? And is it something that looks authentic coming from me? You know, if I if I started posting, you know, all the stuff about El Paso or Dayton, I, I've got no personal connection to those cities. I, I know a pastor in one, and I know somebody from the other city. That's about it. And, you know, I, I think I may have tweeted something. I don't know if I did or not, but um, I, I know I texted people. And, and that's what usually I, if I have a connection to something that happened somewhere, I typically don't post it on social media. I go straight to that person or that, that place and, and, you know, talk directly to them, you know, not on social media. Um, it, it's usually personal texts or phone calls or something like that or in-person talking. Um, so I, I tend to steer away from that. Even like when the, the stuff in the shooting in France and the things that went on over there, I, I don't believe that I even posted anything about those. I, I typically don't jump into those type of cultural moments, um, with my personal account, just cause that's not, that's, that's not what I use social media for. So yeah. I, I, I didn't post anything. It's not that I wasn't praying for the people in El Paso and Dayton. We did that. Sure. Um, I did that personally. I did that in my Sunday school class Sunday morning. I did it again at the community group on Sunday night at my house. Um, I prayed a lot for this weekend for El Paso, probably more than I've ever prayed for the city of El Paso <laughs> um, and Dayton uh, this week. But, you know, I, I have. and But I don't, I don't feel the need to tweet about it. Yeah, I think um, maybe a few years ago, back five, six years ago, uh, when I was just kind of getting out of college and was like super active on Twitter, maybe more than I and like kind of chasing news and keeping up with breaking news and events and stuff on Twitter. And I was a little bit more um, uh, outspoken on Twitter than I am nowadays. I think maybe I would have tweeted something about how terrible this is and how something needs to be done or whatever. I think I maybe a number of years ago would have done that because I used to use Twitter just a lot more actively and like caring about and tweeting about issues or things going on in the world. Like I wanted to be a part of the discussion a lot more six years ago than I want to be today. I used Twitter. Well, I I do that now, but I think I do that more for positive. Right. You mentioned the negative moments and the positive moments. 
I tend to do that a lot more for positive moments. I mean, like just last month, this is sad, the Prime Day concert. I mean, this is totally off topic from what we're talking about. But I mean, I was tweeting a lot about that. I was like the only person that I know that was tweeting about that. And there are specific reasons for that. (laughs) But but that and then, you know, like the Super Bowl, we're all tweeting about what's going on because we're all watching it. The Olympics when they're on, we're all tweeting about things like that. It's kind of this big watch party, I guess, on Twitter. Yeah, and I, I feel a lot better about engaging those positive moments like that. Uh, the, the baseball trade deadline day when Zach Grinke got sent to the the Astros, and I was tweeting about that. Like, just random things like that that I tweet more about the positive kind of things than the negative side of things. I I tend to stay out of the negative conversations and and probably join the positive conversations almost too too much to a degree. Sure. No, I get that. And I think the thing that I I just got so weary of of like lamenting things on social media. Things that are 100% worth lamenting about, like shootings like this or whatever else. I I got weary lamenting them publicly because I noticed in my own heart just a desire to be seen, a desire to be seen as part it, it was tweeting about tragedy about bad things and either lamenting or expressing anger became for me a sort a very selfish enterprise a i'm going to tweet my anger about this so that you know how moral i am like that so you know how woke i am if you will um i i I used to care a lot about making sure everybody knew how bent out of shape I was about certain issues. And I, some time ago, I think three or four years ago, just decided I didn't want to care about that anymore. And that's not how I wanted to use social media. So because I noticed in my own heart that I was adding to the the volume of lament or disdain about various social or cultural issues uh, or moments that happen, tragedy even. Um, I was I was like any if I just tweeted my thoughts and prayers for the Vegas shooting right now or whatever, I'm pretty sure I would just be doing it so that I project to people. No, nobody needs yeah. to know it's, that it's almost like the Pharisee praying. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not. Um, like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this. Sinner. Right, and I and like I think some people tweet about these things with great, like totally fine motives. I'm not saying anybody that does it had these no, bad no, motives, yeah, exactly. But I noticed those own bad motives in my own heart, and I was like, I like nobody needs to know that I'm thinking about this tragedy and praying about this shoot, this tr- shooting or tragedy or whatever. I just. I was like, nobody needs to know about that. Like, I don't need to tell anyone. I can just do it. And nobody's like waiting to see, like nobody's sitting on the edge of their chair to see if I tweet about it or if I care or whatever. And then, and it's, so that's why it's hard for me often to see people say things like, oh, such and so isn't talking about this. They must not care. And it's like, well, no, maybe they just care and they don't feel like you need to know they care. Uh, and so I think it's just important for us personally you know, people do whatever they want. This is this is a podcast about social media, not telling you what's like right or wrong. But I think a lot of times, when something comes up like this and it makes us really sad, or it makes us really mad, which are the two emotions that are most likely to propel us into posting something on social media, when something like this happens, I think we just have to check our motives about why we're posting. And that's why having friends who you can run tweets by or whatever in a group text is very helpful because there are certain tweets that should never leave a group text 
or a draft section. <laughs> um, Jonathan and I are a part of one of those, and it's great. And it's you just you have things that you're like, I kind of want to say this, but I don't know yeah. if I should. Or you I can get it off your chest in a private yeah way. yeah and sometimes you just need to pray about a thing that happened and not tell everyone how terrible it is that you like there were some people who tweeted exactly certain things this weekend about how like how terrible blank was and i'm like i i know you know it's terrible like i don't question whether you think that thing whatever yeah, nobody's was. sitting around thinking that that was a good thing that happened this weekend right and so I sometimes i just wonder like why why did you have to tell me whatever was terrible when like i knew i know you think shooting people is bad um and i understand some people there there becomes like if you're a leader or a, a leader of an organization or in some cases like a pastor or a leader in your community there, i think there there comes a time where you might have a little bit of a responsibility to like say this thing is bad um i think there's a line mm-hmm. there but f- for me and for most of us most people don't care what i think about most issues so i don't care what you think about it exactly so so (laughs) if you know if if i tweeted something about gun violence and laws that should be passed or whatever this about following up this weekend like i'd be doing that as a means of catharsis for myself not because anybody particularly cares about what i think on that issue Uh, i'd be doing it out of pure uh, a lack of knowledge right i mean i I don't i'm not a gun owner right and I don't follow that conversation. Right. I don't know the laws. I, I don't know Same. anything. But about I do know that I want to be protected so. if 30 to 50 feral hogs come onto my property and start playing with my kids. <laughs> See, the funny <laughs> thing is, I, don't, I keep seeing that, and I never saw the original, so I don't know what that's about. Yeah, just, so if y'all just listening, kind of, you have no idea. Just Google feral hogs Twitter. Well, be careful. <laughs> be careful. Be careful. Google. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it's funny every time I see it, so... So there was okay to oh, summarize God. just because we have a few minutes to summarize there was like a debate on Twitter about gun violence and gun laws going on this weekend and somebody responded to a to a tweet about saying how guns need to be regulated and they were like well you I, I don't have the tweet in front of me maybe how can pull it up because I'm I'm not able to if it, it said something to the effect of well you hey if you're living in a if you're living out in a rural area and you've got 30 to 50 feral hogs who come play in your in your uh, yard and your kids are out there playing, you're going to want to have a gun or something like that. And somehow last night, Monday, August 5th, that tweet just started. Blo- it was a, it was a reply in a thread and it just started blowing up. And, and everybody was like feral hogs took over Twitter is what everybody was saying. Yeah. So Jason Isbell was the original. Tweet. Okay. And, and then William McNabb at Willie McNabb, um, his question was legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play? And that just <laughs> for some reason went bananas. Yeah. So that led to a whole <laughs> kind of memification of feral hogs in the gun debate. So <laughs> feral hogs threatening my children by country. And it's all these things with zeros and then the American flag 30 to 50. <laughs> so live look at William's yard and it's all <laughs> I think I'd be about as knowledgeable as that guy on a gun control discussion so I'm definitely not going to be tweeting exactly about that. yes and thank you vox.com for this great explanation of course they wrote a vox explainer about that of course so um doing the lord's work no not really <laughs> so, so yeah so I think like 
All right. Not it's it's not a cut and dry thing. It's kind of gray. I think it's just important for us whether you're running social for an organization, a church, or yeah. just you as an individual, do people need to hear what I have to say on this? Do I need to tweet that I'm thinking and praying about the situation, or should I just think and pray about the situation? And um, But if you, if you feel a responsibility, a conviction, I'm not here to tell you not to follow your convictions or do what you think is right. But if you, if you have a, a, a circumstance, a context where you feel it would be incredibly appropriate for you to address a certain negative situation, go for it. Go for it. But it just, I, I always tell people, like, think twice because there's, there's no reason to hop into something like this if you don't have good reason to. So that's, that's that on that. Now let's move to the uh, final section of our time here today, which is our uh, recommended follows for the week. We just have Jonathan and I here today, so we just have two. What are uh, our recommended follows this week? Jonathan, what's yours? Mine is Profits and Watches on Instagram. And it's uh, very similar to the Preachers and Sneakers. And this one was with watches, though. Okay. And, and pastors. All right. So it's, and see, I, these are just funny to me. I know they're kind of mocking these guys a little bit, but at the same time, they're also giving props to guys that are wearing the $30 Casio watch, like Chris Tomlin. Nice. Or whatever it is. So, I, I mean, you know, they, they kind of go both ways with this. But what I find the most fascinating about this is that. Somebody out there knows watches well enough to see a very small piece of an Instagram. I mean, like, because nobody's posting pictures of their watch, all right? It's a guy up there speaking, and they're able to identify the watch, find it, source it, and put the price up with it, it which blows my mind. That I think that's the most, most amazing thing about this is that there are people out there that can see a pair of shoes or a watch or whatever it may be, a shirt, that that know that content like the back of their hand and can source it out and find it and see it and and show what what that is because i mean to me it's just this blurry little speck on some guy's wrist but to somebody else it's like oh that's a rolex blah 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 blah, 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 blah you know and and they know exactly how much it costs and where to buy it and everything like that so it just that it's it blows my mind it, it's pretty talented uh, but at the same time, it's also pretty funny. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, mine is Sarah Fisher's Axios Media Newsletter. So this is not a uh, Twitter follow or Facebook or anything like that. Uh, though you following Sarah Fisher on Twitter is probably a good idea, too. It's uh, Sarah, S-A-R-A, Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Um, you can sign up for her Axios Media Newsletter. So Axios is a news organization. They, I think their specialty, it's fair to say, is politics, but they do much more than that. They have sports. They have uh, tech, media, all kinds of stuff. She sends, uh, Sarah Fisher sends a weekly media trends newsletter on Tuesday mornings, and it talks about media in general, but a huge um, uh, has it usually has a huge piece on social media here and there. Um, it emphasizes it from time to time and new data or new uses or things like that. So um, definitely check out Sarah Fisher's Axios Media Trends newsletter. I get it every Tuesday, and it's a uh, it's a great read. Highly recommend. Yeah, I, I get it as well. Great. Awesome. Well, hey, that's uh, that's it for this week's episode of Social Cues. Thanks for listening. Uh, Jonathan and I are on Twitter. You can find us there. We'll be back sometime soon, hopefully next week, but we'll just have to see with episode six of the Social Cues podcast. <laughs>